Today we're going to speak about something rather important. Some people would even call it a secret. Simply because most people throughout their lifetime don't understand what I'm about to discuss. And I'm not going to get too in-depth with it. But I'm simply going to open your mind towards another reality that some people live. So let me begin by this way. The game of debt. The game of debt that the average person plays versus the game of debt that the wealthy play and the corporates play and government plays are very, very different. So what makes them different? Let's quickly roll back a bit. Most people don't look at company statements. It's for nerds, for geeks. We, I do that for fun. Most people don't look at government state for. Don't, most people don't look at rather company statements uh, and rather statements with certain number of figures in them. And so most people wouldn't know that there are instances where companies have enough cash to pay off the debt they have but they don't and so the question becomes why is it if we're taught to be debt free and so on why is it that a company will have enough debt enough cash to pay off that debt that they have and yet would rather keep the cash in their bank account and not pay off their debt And that goes back to the game that gets played is very different between the average, the wealthy, and corporates. As I said, we're not going to get too in-depth. It may bore many people, so we're going to try and keep it light. (laughs) But this is where it gets important. When the average person looks at purchasing a house, and when we speak of average, we're speaking of middle class and below. In instances even the beginning of the upper class and below most people look at figures most people don't understand what inflation is what buying power is and the list goes on and this is of people who are educated so this is nothing this has nothing to do with how far you went in school because this applies to people with phds and yes i do know people with phds and This goes back to the concept of what you get taught. So this is what's important. When the average person purchases a house, they look at how much the house is, they look at how much they will pay, and then they complain. Or they'll look at how much they bought the house for, how much they actually paid, and they will complain. And the part that they miss out, there's actually a number of things that they miss out. The first thing that they miss out is, and let's make an example so it's easy for everyone. A person buys a house for a million. They found out that in about 20, 30 years, they would have paid 3 million. Now, instantly, when they realize this, they think to themselves, at 3 million, I would have paid for three houses. Sure. What they miss out is that that house that they paid a million for in 20, 30 years, will probably be worth more than 3 million. But let's just say, for argument's sake, it's worth 3 million. 
what that essentially means is actually a number of things which we'll come back to the next part before we come back is even if you thought that you'd be paying for three houses you're not because if you were that would mean at the time of looking at that amount you had three million or within the next 20 years you would have three million right and in most instances very few people can come up with three million in about 10 20 years cash and so the first thing we need to realize is it's a fantasy it's it's a concept whereby someone realizes how much they would have paid over a certain amount of time and feel bad about the fact that they've given away that much money without realizing how much value they've actually received. Again, it's a middle-class mentality. It's, a, it's an unfortunate thing. But let's move on. So let's get back to the house situation that we just mentioned. You buy a house for a million. You pay three million for it in 20 years. The house is worth three million in 20 years. Essentially what that means is you pay three million for a three million rand house. It's fair value, right? So that's the first thing a lot of people miss. You pay three million for a three million rand house. On debt, because you didn't have the cash to do it. That's the first. Now, yes, you would have had the option to say, let me save that money. However, when you save the money, you also went through a number of risks. For one, there is the risk that you would never actually reach the 3 million within the 20 years. Now, let's just assume you did. Let's assume you decided to put your money away in a particular way and in a particular manner, which would allow you to get to the 3 million in 20 years instead of actually paying through debt. The next thing is you may not have access to that house at that time so you're purchasing it because you like that particular house when you get the three million you may not have access to that house you might have to resort to another house now let's just assume again that's that's not an issue so now you've got the cash and you've got a separate house the next thing is when you're saving and again we're assuming the house doesn't appreciate beyond that which is its own risk but let's assume that doesn't happen when you are sitting at home or renting which by the way let's assume you're sitting at home and you're not renting it's no extra expense when you're sitting at home and you're going through this the one thing that is being ignored is what is called the time factor so you spent 20 years at home saving 3 million for a house the other person paid 3 million over 20 years, so you paid the same amount, but they got to experience their time, their 20 years within that house while enjoying it. Time factor. Of course, then we move on to possibilities. Building up a family, building up um, furniture, uh, memories, etc, etc, etc. So either way, you're ahead. Am I saying jump into debt? Not necessarily. What I'm saying is it's important to understand, firstly, the difference between what is called long-term debt and short-term debt. Generally, with long-term debt, you're not losing as much as you think you're losing. With short-term debt, well, it's a different story. Now, am I saying that banks make a loss on long-term debt? Not necessarily. But what I am saying is, when done correctly, you can still make money off 
talk to your debt. Let's go a step further. It's called leverage. Borrowing money to get something. If you can borrow money to get something that is of value and can maintain or increase in value, it doesn't matter how much you borrowed from the bank. Let me repeat that. Or let me make another scenario. If you came to me and you bought a house for a million and you borrowed money from me and I said I will charge you X percent, 5 percent and the house was increasing at an average of 10 percent per year. That means each year, again we're assuming there's no compound interest etc etc, it means each year you would be netting an extra 5 percent from the million that you borrowed from me. And so this goes back to the concept of Yes, many people don't understand inflation and buying power because they look at the house and they think, I could have bought three houses had, you know, had I not paid this three million, I could have, no, you could not. That's why I took out the debts. You could not afford to pay, right? And so, again, we need to understand long-term debt is important. Now, why did I start off with the whole company thing at the beginning? Let's bring that back. So what companies will do, what some companies will do, is they will take out what is called a long-term debt. It'll have a lower interest rate. Then they will pay off some interest, part of the debt, and then they'll do what is called a refinance. I spoke about refinancing in, in some of the previous podcasts. They will do what is called a refinance. In other words, they'll go out and they will refinance or they'll restructure or they'll go out and reborrow more money to pay off that that loan which is weird because at home in society we're told don't use debt to pay off debt yet companies do that now why do they do this there's a number of reasons one if a company borrows a million and let's just say the interest rate is five percent let's just hypothetically say that the uh the inflation, the buying power of money was falling by 10%. That means that you're making a net 5%. In other words, remember, you borrowed a million and because you borrowed a million, you owe 5%, right? But when you're owing 5%, you're actually getting 10% back. So you're making an extra 5%, okay? So in terms of debt, with the long-term debt, because it's of lower interest, what they'll do is they'll refinance it and they'll try and extend it as long as they can each time so that as much as they're paying in numerical numbers, they're paying a higher amount, but the buying power of that future money is a lot less, right? Let's make one more example. Imagine you lend someone around 2001, 2001, you imagine you lend someone five rand, right, for a can of coke, and they promised to pay you back in 20 years, okay, 2001, 2002, they promised to pay you back your five rand for a can of coke in 20 years. 20 years later, they come back and they give you your five rand back for the can of coke. You can't buy a can of coke for five rand. Cans of coke are like 10 rands now which means the price of the can of coke has doubled in 20 years. Assuming, of course, everything's standard, it means in 10 years, it went up 50%, okay? Uh, so what that then tells you is, 
take the same idea and use it in debt. You go to the bank and you say to the bank, listen, I need a million. I'll pay it back to you in 20 years. The bank says, okay, or I'll pay it back to you in 10 years. The bank says, sure, or in five years. It doesn't really matter. 10 years, fine. The bank says, okay. 10 years later, the bank comes to you and you say, ah, listen, um, I'd like to refinance this. And again, I'd like to kind of start again and kind of redo it. And the bank says, sure. 20 years later, that, that 1 million that you borrowed, the buying power, what you could have bought with 1 million at that time, that when you, when you borrowed it, whatever you bought for a million now costs 2 million 20 years later, right? So if it costs 2 million 20 years later, it was cheaper for you to buy it for a million at the time, okay? And then on the debt, you kind of keep paying back a little bit of interest along the way and you kind of just keep delaying it to a point where even if you're paying 2 million, with interest, you technically still only bought it for a million and you still only paid a million in buying power for it. Now, assuming again that whatever you bought increases in value, well, that's even better. Assuming that um, it increases in price at shops, well, then it's, again, it's even better for you. So either way, it's a win-win. Now, last point. Why do they keep what is called kicking the can down the road? They keep kind of restructuring the loan. It's because... There are a few other advantages. The first advantage is they get to report less profits. Getting to report less profits means they get to pay less taxes. If they take the cash that they have and they pay off the debt, then the profit increases. If the profit increases, then the taxes they pay have to increase. So it's of their benefit to not pay off the debt, but rather kick it down the road so they continuously have debt, so they'll continuously make less profit, so they continuously pay less taxes. And obviously, then the next question is, well, if they're paying less profits, well, what about the economics and share price and all of that? That's another story for another day. But the point is, it's a different game being played. Government does the same thing. Government goes out to nations and they borrow money, debt. But then it's called bonds. It's really just a loan debt, right? And the idea is the same thing. We're going to borrow money and we will restructure our loans that we had with other countries, world banks, IMFs, bonds, etc. And over time, yes, we will borrow a million and we will eventually owe three, or we'll borrow a trillion, we will eventually owe three trillion, but the trillion that we have 20 years down the road is worth uh, 6 trillion, so we're okay paying 3 trillion. That's kind of the idea of corporate debt. So this goes back to, again, you need to understand the different types of debts and that the game that's being played is completely different. Thanks for listening. Cheers.